Hi, friends. Logan Clements here with the Better Events Podcast. And this week's episode is a really exciting look into some of the content that we did for our 2023 Better Events Conference just last month. This is an episode that we actually recorded live in front of our virtual podcast audience. It was a really fun I don't know if you'd call it an exercise, but just a really fun experience for Mary and I. And so this week we're talking all about how to say yes to the right events. And again, it was just a cool thing to do of having a live audience kind of watch us while we were recording this. So this was recorded a month ago at our Better Events Conference 2023. Stay tuned. We will be hosting another one this year in 2024. So just keep following us for more information on how you can join us next time. Listeners, if you did miss out on the Better Events Conference, you can definitely buy the replay still and you'll get access to all of the recordings and all of the content until end of April, April 30th, 2024. So there is still time to join us. But if you're listening after April 30th, I'm sorry, you've missed your opportunity. But without further ado, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Better Events Podcast. Right now, we are recording live from the Better Events Conference. So this might mess with our flow a little bit. I'm not sure Logan and I are feeling a little bit more pressure than normal, um, but we'll see how it goes. And we have had a great day of inspiring content, and so we hope to bring that into today's episode as well. But as you know, we always start with a conversation starter. So Logan, I'm going to ask you this. Um, And this, by the way, is from one of our conference sponsors, Corporate Curling, asked this question. And it is, if you could make your hobby a business, what would that look like? This is a tough question, Mary. (laughs) And hi, all of our attendees at the conference. I've been on an emotional high all day. So this is exciting to to get back to our, our podcast roots here. Um, for a second. But if I could make your see now I'm, I'm getting tricked up because I'm like, is it my hobby? Because I don't this is I want to get better hobbies in 2024. But if I could make a hobby a business, I think it would be my hobby is going to sporting events. And influencer. <laughs> I don't know if it's influencing, but more I would, I I would want to like bring It'd be like an experience, like go with Logan to a Seattle Storm game and we would make it a whole experience where I would probably try to get you to go on the dance cam. Well, I also I don't want to be on the dance cam, but I would try to get you there. I had a good luck with some friends coming with me who got free stuff, like free T-shirts and stuff. I never get T-shirts thrown at me except when I have brought a friend. So how about sports games with Logan would be my business. (laughs) Mary, how about you? Well, I thought about what I tried to do during the pandemic. When I started my my event planning business, I was like, I'm also going to bake cakes. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's something that I wanted to do. And so I, I, I started it and I realized how much wor- work it was. So kudos to all the bakers out there. Um, I quickly learned that it wasn't worth it for me to do it, but I enjoyed the creative side of it. And so that was something that was kind of an outlet for me. So I guess I tried it. It didn't work for me. So I'm not really sure what else I would do, Um, but it was a fun experience. And so someone else can steal my idea because I thought it was a good idea, but I called it Quasi Cakes 
and it's like Crazy Cupcakes, which is from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. If you've watched that show, it was this game that they always were playing on their phone. So somebody take it because I think it's a great name. I also will shamelessly plug Mary loves coming up with business ideas. So thank you, Corporate Curling, for having a conversation starter that is, I feel like, Mary, you're just, that's always your idea. So listeners of the podcast and attendees here at the conference, if you ever need business ideas, Mary's your gal because she's very creative with thinking of lots of business ideas. I should make a business about coming up with business ideas. There we go. Now we found it. Yep. (laughs) You're like a guru. It's like, come to me and I will give you your business idea. (laughs) Well, anyway, listeners, for this week's episode and to culminate our Better Events conference, we are talking all about how to say yes to the right events in 2024 and beyond. And one of the reasons why we chose this topic is you asked, you asked, you wanted to hear about this. And we love listening to you guys, just like you like listening to us. So this is a prompt that you really wanted to hear us talk about. And we're, this is honestly a topic where I don't think this is the only time we would ever talk about. I think it's something Mary and I are both continuously working on. And so we're going to actively kind of workshop this question together. And this is a lovely little time capsule for us, Mary, so that like 2030 us can come back and listen to what we thought uh, how you source the right events was at this time, because I do think my opinion on this is going to change. Um, but I guess we'll start broad like we do, Mary, of just kind of wanting to know who this topic kind of applies for. I mean, we're, we honestly, I think it applies to everybody because if you're an independent or a freelancer or you work for an event agency, this is really relevant for you if you plan events for clients because you want to make sure are those clients the right fit for you. If you're an in-house planner, this might be more, is this the right fit for your company and what you as the planner should be spending your time on? Or is this maybe an event that doesn't need to happen? Um, Or maybe you create events for yourself or your business, and these are something that you need to decide if these events are having the right outcomes. Um, So we're really going to be just talking about how do you say yes to the right events for you so that you're motivated. And like that's why I'm saying this changes, because what motivates me has changed in the last five, six, ten 10 years. So Mary, do you have anything to add to that before we move on? I think that's a good, a good summary. And I think like you said, we've each had our individual experiences with, with experiences with this and that it will change. And so Logan, can you share with us maybe some like, why, why is this topic important to you right now? And then, like you said, you'll listen back to this in however many years and see if it aligns. Yeah, this is, we're recording this here, you know, at the end of 2023 right now. You're going to be listening to it if you're listening from our podcast feed in in 2024. But this is honestly a part of my annual retreat that I do, which now I do every, you know, every six months. And here at the conference, we did a CEO day workshop with Juliet Tripp that aligns with some of this. But I always ask myself, like, is, was the, were these events the right events for me? And that's something I always want to go back and I look back and reflect on every single event I've worked this year. And I actually make a spreadsheet. I started doing this about three years ago and I make a spreadsheet of all of the events and I go back and I reconcile the financial side of things of like, okay, here's what I charged. This is where my time tracking comes into it. Here's how much time I spent on it. And then I have a notes column that I would say is more my like kind of feelings, impressions of just like what were some highlights for me. And then I actually had a column that was just that had a would I do it again (laughs) column. And that was really telling for me to just sit there and actually think through these events and go, if this person came to me again next year, would I do it? And 
it was just kind of a realization for me that there were certain events and certain roles, even some events I loved, but maybe I didn't love my role where I would go, I would do this event again, but not in this role. And so maybe that event's the right fit, but the role wasn't. So I guess this question even should have our topic today should really have two parts. Is it the right event and the right role for you in that event? Um, and I, again, that, that changes things that I got excited about two years ago are not maybe the events that I'm doing this year. So I'll, I'll pause there. Mary, does that kind of make sense? I think it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I've thought about this more because you've shared about what you've done. I've learned a lot from Logan, everyone, since I started my business. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, write that down. I'm going to do that too. But but I agree. I think I'm at a weird, I don't know if it's a weird place. I don't know. This is just where I'm at right now. But I um, feel like I say yes to everything. That's just kind of where I'm at with how I decide if an event is right for me. If it's an event, I'm going to say yes. And that's because I've been trying to build my business. And when it comes down to it, I need events to make money to build my business. And this is also where it's gotten more complicated, where burnout has come in, where scope creep comes in, all those bad things. Um, but I think, honestly, where I am at right now, and I hope that this changes later on, um, is I kind of have this like scarcity mindset. I say yes to everything. <laughs> and But what I do know, and I've learned, th learned this this year, is that I really care about who I'm working with. So that is turning into one thing that does influence if an event is right for me, because I even am still kind of at like maybe what I make, like what I what, what I get paid doesn't matter to me as much as who I'm working with. Like that is more impactful to me in my life. So that's where I'm at. But like I said, I kind of hope and I think it will change as time goes on. But I think I've had to be here to personally grow my business right now. What you're saying is, just again, for our real-time folks here listening for the conference, this really is resonating. Abigail, Joanna, Vanessa's giving you some claps, Mary, on, Thanks, on that. Really? So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, too, because that's also is like, what's the, the quote-unquote right event for you? It really depends on your situation, whether it's, I think the financial side is one piece. We had a book club earlier today talking about profit first and things and profit is one thing. But I think a lot of us are in this industry and do what we do. And, you know, the grueling schedule, sometimes it is not because of the money. I feel like there's much easier jobs. And I'm sure that's what everybody says that you could do for the money. But maybe it is like you're saying the people because that is so true. There are certain things that I go. There are certain people that I go. I don't care what event it is minus a very small number of topics that I don't necessarily want to work an event on. Um, but I would follow you and I would do whatever, you know, working for you, Mary. I enjoy working with you. I would probably do any event that you want to work on. And that's just probably. how it goes. <laughs> yeah. And I have like a core group of people that I know and I, and I trust that I go, they wouldn't bring me in unless they knew it was going to be great. Or if I know if it's a stressful client, a new event, I'm, in, I'm surrounded by the right people. Because when I reflect back on events that I've really not enjoyed after or come out and yes, burnout or just being really, really stressed, then it's like, oh, because it was I couldn't rely on this person or I couldn't rely on this team or, you know, this happened. So the people do make the difference. And then I wanted to call on what I think Nancy said in one of our, our panels about being overworked and underpaid. That's also like the location or opportunities or the other stuff that is a part of that event. So whether it's getting to go to a new location or it's getting to work with a new team, I've worked um, with some professional teams here in Seattle that honestly, some of them, the rate was really awful. The role was probably less than what I needed to do, but I knew it would kind of be a resume builder. And I was just curious. I was like, I just want to do it and just see. But I went into it knowing, I don't know if I'm going to do this again because of these other factors. And what kept me coming back was actually my coworkers. The people were, they were great. 
They were different than I'd expected, not necessarily event folks all the time, but they were awesome. And so that was a part that kept me coming back for more. And those are my reasons. So listeners, this might be different for you, the financial situation you're in. If you are someone who is you know, the sole provider for your household, for yourself, you're going to be probably on a different right fit event than someone who maybe this is a side hustle or something you're doing in addition to your full-time income. And so just kind of taking those into account, um, I think also helps you with thinking about what is the right fit for you. But I just encourage you really take that time to reflect because for me, I get so busy. I, I, I would get so busy doing the work that I needed to make that spreadsheet and like look at the numbers because I feel like I would be like, I think I got underpaid for that event, but I'm not sure on to the next event and I'm work, work, working. But having that time to sit and like think through like, what did I genuinely like? If I take myself out of yes mode of I should say yes to everything and I actually think about what did I like? Did my time feel valuable? Did I like how I spent that time? Um, has been such a helpful practice for me and I do it annually in December and I started doing it now in June, July. Um, and I loved it so much that I've been trying to do it monthly even because again, I've it's December. I've already said yes to some things for the spring and I still haven't done my 2023 reflection. So <laughs> I'm like trying not to beat myself up too much about that. But that is one that it's helpful to do it in a more ongoing process. I I really like that. And I think looking at the data is cool and it's important. And um, for me, I've heard people say, you know, track your time, track your time. This is important. And yes, we've talked about this today at the conference and other sessions as well. But it really is so true because now I'm in year three of business and I'm finally at the point where I have the data to look at and decide if an event was right for me based on the you know, the time that it took and the money that I made, like those types of things I never had before, because it honestly just took me a long time to start tracking my time and, and my team's time. And so, um, yeah, I think that really, really does develop over time. But there are a few tips that I wanted to share. I was brainstorming, you know, some ideas and doing research about this topic. So, you know, we're talking about how to say yes to the right event. And um, bear with me, because I was typing some things online. You know, I was thinking, okay, say yes to the right event. And I accidentally typed say yes to the dress. I don't know, because that phrase is just stuck in my mind. I do have that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's ingrained in memories. And so I accidentally just like auto typed that in instead of saying say yes to the right event. So I searched uh, how to say yes to the dress. <laughs> you know what? The results are applicable to our conversation. So I'm going to share them. Right really? Now. Oh, I love, yeah. I love Mary's Google searches. These I always know. bring me such joy. It's <laughs> Go ahead, Mary. Enough. So bear with me. Here we go. Um, so there are five tips to help you say yes to the dress or the right event. The first one is to consider the budget. That makes sense, right? How much are you going to make and all this stuff? Um, consider the style of the event. Yeah. Is this your niche? Is it something different? Okay. Consider this one's a little, your cheerleaders. So AKA get opinions from those people that you value and trust. Also true. Sometimes you don't know if you should take an event. You got to talk to your family, your friends, your colleagues. Um, what's next? Uh, the weather. Sure. Maybe you're like, I don't want to do an event outside in December in Alaska. So that might mean you should say no. This one's a stretch, but sure. I, I see where you're going with it. <laughs> and the last one is the venue, which I mean, sure. Maybe. Depends what you do. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I think it's a cool sporting event, Logan. You're like, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's I'm I'm working on some stuff for Paris 2024. And that is one that uh, five years ago, Logan and current Logan is like, if it has the word Olympics in it. Uh, yes, I'm interested. <laughs> and that's exactly. just I know the Olympics aren't a venue, but I would I would categorize that, you know, the same. Um, and I think your cheerleaders part was 
is a good one, I feel like, to call out here because sometimes knowing how to say yes to the right event, if I reflect back on the events that maybe were not the right fit, I often have a silent cheerleader, which is my gut. And there's no, again, I'm, I don't feel like I can understand the science behind it or something, but I can feel it somewhere in my bones where I'm like, I don't know. And I will often say my gut is right. My gut is different. My gut, I don't know, is different than my imposter syndrome. That shows up as well. Imposter syndrome shows up for some gigs when I feel like I'm being asked to do something that maybe I don't, I haven't done before, or it's on a larger scale than I've ever done before. That's different. I'm talking about like, there's a, a feeling I get in my gut where I'm like, should I? Uh, I'm not sure. And I've ignored that gut feeling a couple times. And that's often turned into when it was the wrong fit, whether it was the wrong event or the wrong client, even because I've worked some events where you could work for very different vendors um, or just the wrong role for me. And again, coming to your, your point, Mary, like wanting the business and wanting to say yes to everything. A, another realization I've had over the last couple of years has been in a way to not try not to sound braggadocious, it's like I there are a lot of things that I'm good at, but they don't necessarily bring me joy. Just because I can do it and I can do it well doesn't mean that's what I should be spending my time on. I had somebody approach me asking if I wanted to a full-time offer to be a salesperson for their company for events because I know events. And I was like, could I do that job? Sure. Would I be happy? I I don't think so. Like I, I am the right, I have all the right skill set. I definitely could like do it, but I don't like sales. I hate sales in my business. Like why well, I, I wouldn't want to do that all the time. And it was just this like aha moment of shaking me some out of that. Like, yes, I'll do anything. I'll work for anyone of being like, no, I actually don't want to do that. <laughs> like that's what I don't want to do. Um, and so just wanting and trying to trust my gut more um, when it comes to that. And I have cheerleaders and I have people in my life that I can go to if I ignore that gut that are like another in-person version of my gut. <laughs> I love that you called it, what was it? The silent, the silent cheerleader, your gut. Yeah. Is that a thing? I don't know if you just made that up. Or if that's I made thing, it up. <laughs> write that down. I like it. <laughs> I think that's great. Uh, but Logan, you're actually transitioning really well into our next thing, which is talking about non-negotiables. I do think we, we probably do have those. And so when you're thinking of taking an event, what are some of your non-negotiables? And if you're ready, I'll put you on the spot. If you need time, I'll go first. How you feel? I'll have you go first because I feel like you also have you got good ones in there. Okay. All righty. So there's probably a lot, but I would say someone who doesn't respect my time, big red flag. And when I say non-negotiables, that's becoming to be a non-negotiable type of thing. Um, this one has been really big for me this year. If I have to convince my value to them, that's not an event that I want to do. Let's say that one more time, Mary, for the people in the back, please. What did I say? Yeah, if I have to convince my value to them, that's not the right event for me. Um, I want them to see the value up front, and then that's going to really impact our working relationship moving forward. Learned a little bit about that the hard way this year. So that's a non-negotiable for me. Um, another thing is if it's an event that I'm not familiar with, which there are many because I you know, do a certain kind of events. And I, I want to try like all the events one day eventually. But the reality is, is if it's an event that I'm not familiar with, I kind of have to be frank with myself and say, do I have the time to learn something new right now? Like, can I bring value right now? Like that I know, because it's going to take more time. Um, and so that's just for me. But overall, I would say, um, I think I'm still learning. 
but those are the ones that I've established more so this year. So Logan, what about you? What are your non-negotiables? Yeah, this one's a hard one because I'll say I have a non-negotiable and then it probably isn't because I have somebody who probably does just something slightly different, similar similar to okay. you. I, yes, boundaries we're, we're working on. I mean, a big one has been, and we, I think another panel, I'm glad I'm able to pull in all these things from the panels. We're jogging my memory, but um, putting an out of office message was something that was really scary for me as a business owner. And I didn't do it honestly until probably my third year of working for myself because I was so convinced that I couldn't do it because other people who have out of office, they say, oh, if you can't get a hold of me because I'm out of the office, contact so-and-so. And I'm like, I'm a one-person business, so I don't have a so-and-so. So just don't contact anybody. Like, And I did it one Christmas. I put an out-of-the-office message. And I had done the legwork of prepping people of like not making meetings happen or anything. I didn't no-show on anything, but I just I was out of the office. And I remember having my mind blown when I came back that my – that that was like nothing to DC's point. She said it too. Like the world didn't end. Everything was fine. And I had a great time getting to completely disconnect from my inbox, completely disconnect and turn off my work and be present for my family. And that had been something that was important because because when I worked full time, I ended up having to work on Christmas Day virtually when I had a when I did work with China because China wasn't they don't really celebrate as much of a mainstream holiday. And I remember being like, this is not what I want. My family's opening presents over there and I'm on my laptop like I, I don't want this. And so that was a big thing for me, which I will say is a non-negotiable if I work with not so much a client, well, I guess a client, but also I, I use agencies that I work with. I call them clients as well. If any client like pushes back on the fact that I'm going to be out of the office for a certain amount of time, as long as it's not me being like, I'm out of the office for a month. If it's like I'm out of office for a week or two weeks or you're approaching me and now in December for an event in May, I'm going to tell you right now I'm going out, I'm going on vacation in February for you know, 10 days. And those 10 days, I'm going to be out of the office. Like, I'm going to tell you that now. And if I start getting pushed back, then that's, I would say that's probably one of my non-negotiables because it's probably just not the right fit. Because it's, again, what we're doing is not immediate and urgent if we're able to plan around it. And we all can be the complete person we are and take that time off. So that's one. Another non-negotiable I found is just, I think transparency I've learned is a really big value for me. Just, and I feel like a lot of people would be like, yeah, of course it's a value. No, like this is where I've, I've had um, bad experiences with organizations or groups that I've worked with or worked for that haven't been very transparent and I can, or other things will happen and I'll be like, oh, I wonder why I'm having such a, you know, a grading relationship. And then I go, oh, they weren't very open about the struggles they were having or the budget challenges they had or something like that. And that's one that I found, like, I do really well with other organizations, clients, events where transparency is a big proponent of that, of of not saying I'm not going to hide everything. I'm not going to tell you when everything's wrong, but like we're going to have a candid enough relationship that I can tell you if this is a big problem or if this is something I solved earlier and we'll talk about it in the post event. Um, and so I feel like that's another just non-negotiable of just that transparency and wanting to know, um, you know, just kind of knowing that value for me, if that's a value for the organization I'm working for or the person I'm working for, then I usually I'm going to be setting myself up for success. I love it. I think that's awesome. We'll do this episode again next year and see if it changes. But, you know, I keep thinking that. I'm like, this is a constant, constant change. But that's how it goes. That's okay. Um, so, Logan, you – we've talked about, you know, some of these, like, I don't want to say that they're more negative. Non-negotiables are important things. But we're going to talk about stuff that you've loved now. So we're going to switch gears a little bit, which I know we like talking about events and we talk about how much we love them because the reality is, is that we're here. All of us are here because we enjoy it to some extent, right? <laughs> so – Logan, I'm going to ask you, 
how do you identify what events that you've really loved? Uh, what have you like felt that's made you feel like, yeah, this is like, this is it. This is why I'm doing this. And yes, I'm absolutely doing this event again because it made me feel so great. So if you want to share anything about how you identify those feelings. I mean, I come back to my silent cheerleader. Some of it's just a gut of just like, I, when I, I say I do that reflection, I like these giant post-it notes that I get. And Mary will have these when we do our podcast retreat later this week. These giant post-its to help me just brainstorm. And on one, I'd put, would I work with these clients again? And I had a, a yes, maybe no. And then I had fun. I put a heck yes. And that was another column to the left of the yeses. And I just kind of initially, when I'm looking through my list, I just wherever my brain first, if it was a heck yes, they went on that list. Yes, maybe, no. I just kind of trusted my gut on that. And then looking back, I'd be like, yeah, those are my moments. The companies that I know and the events that and the people that I want to work with again, it was like a gut reaction. Often it's a sporting event, but it's not all sporting events. That's where, again, it's like why we're doing this episode because it's not as easy. It's not as black and white as saying, yes, this, no, that. It's like I love certain sporting events. And again, it was usually where it was aligned with my role was the right fit. The budget was the right fit for what I was looking for. And then sometimes it's just if the event is plain dang fun, which for sporting events, most of what we're doing is entertaining fans, dance cams, giveaways, different games that you can't help but just be happy doing. Um, and so that kind of really helps me. And then I've actually had some interesting ones that uh, in the moment, I probably wouldn't tell you this is my favorite event and I definitely want to do it again. But then upon reflection, because usually it's because I'm uncomfortable but upon reflection, I'll be like, I actually, I want to do that again. Like that was hard. I did hard things. Okay. I want to do it again. Like, and some of it too is like trial by fire. Once I'm like, I've done it once. I talked about on this podcast about uh, one of my challenging days on my event in, in Chile where I cried and everything was tough. And I had that, that confidence going into day two, day three, day, I was there for 45 days for a long time, knowing I'd already done it. I felt that much more comfortable and confident, you know, doing it again. Um, so I think those are some of my key indicators for why I really loved it. But Mary, how about you? How would you answer that question? You know, I would say that it, I mentioned the people before. And so for me, it really is like, if I think about the people that I've worked with and not only that, but specifically like colleagues or team members, like those are the memories that I have. And so those are the, really the ones like, like, okay, so working with clients, yes, absolutely. There are some that I'm like really stand out and I want to work with them again, but specifically the team. I'm like, that was such a good experience. I definitely want to do that again with them. And the hard thing about events is you can't really copy and paste them. Like something changes each year, people's availability changes. So that part makes me a little sad, but I just really love some experiences that I've had team members and even if the event has sucked sometimes i'm like but i'll do it again if i can work with them like if we can copy and paste this team situation so that's one um something else that's really made me know that i want to do an event again um is you know we do a lot of fundraising events and so that i i love those because it's something i'm passionate about and so when i hear programs and it's something particularly that really like stands out to me that i think is important you know i just have that moment of thinking yes, this is important. It's really cool that we can be part of this work. I want to do this again. So that's like a really easy example. And those are, those are more easy because they're like naturally pulling at your heartstrings, you know, things like that. Um, and the last one I would say is I would do an event again sometimes if it has really caused me to um, grow in some way. It's challenged me, uh, challenged me to learn a new skill, maybe, you know, 
different kind of event, worked with challenging people. Not always. So let me be really clear because this could go either way. This could go. I never want to do it again or I want to do it again because I, we overcame it and it was worth it to overcome. So I'm willing to try it again next year and come that much more prepared. So I'd say those are my three. Oh, yeah. I think those are great. I mean, we definitely both, I'm not surprised both you and I enjoy the ones where we've grown and had to, you know, been challenged. And I think for some of our listeners and our folks here for the conference, if you're new to events, I mean, my advice I always gave, I used to manage the interns when I worked full time. And my advice to them was always, every experience is an opportunity to find out what you like. And just because you're having a negative experience or you're realizing you're maybe not as happy, you're not enjoying as much, that doesn't mean it's a it's a lost cause of an activity or an event. You already know it's not going well. You're not really maybe as happy as you thought you could be. That doesn't mean you should quit and be done. It's like you can always learn something from that. If you're not enjoying the role in your event and because they're just really micromanaging and checking in on you, maybe flip it on its head. What's the opposite of that? Maybe you like really autonomous roles where it's just, hey, Mary, get this done in the next two weeks. We've talked about, you know, on this podcast, both of us of, of how we've gotten better with clients saying, is it a time-based or task-based role? Do you want me on my computer from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day? Or is, again, does this need to be done in two weeks? So just thinking through any experience or event that I haven't loved, I've always been, yeah, is it, do I like the opposite? Like, I love show calling. I love stage managing. I love being in the heat of the moment of like stuff matters to the second of what you do. I have met amazing event professionals who are very good and very capable who hate that. And that's, so if you put them in a show caller role, they would hate it. That They'd be so unhappy. Even if it was the best event, they would, because that's them personality wise. And so that's, and just like their skill set. And so that's one that like figuring out what's right for you, you're probably going to have a lot of not right fits, but hopefully Mary and I are encouraging you that the more you do this and the more different ones you kind of challenge yourself and push yourself to try different things, the closer you are going to get to figuring out what the right fit is for you. And hopefully it's encouraging that both Mary and I have been at this and yet neither of us have necessarily settled on one very specific niche or type of event. We still both in our own ways do a bunch of different events. Um, and that's what's worked for us. We also have some folks here on the I feel like at the conference who have specialized and niche down and that's what's good for them. So there's no one right answer for figuring out what's right for you. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Oh, there's probably more we could talk about, but we are coming to our end. And so many of you did ask us questions, by the way, um, the conference attendees. And so do know that we have not forgotten about some of these questions you asked in your registration forms. We are going to cover them in future podcast episodes. And so stay tuned for that. Yeah, I think because that brings us to the end of our episode, Mary, you have our bonus tip. I do. Yes. Okay. So our bonus tip for today, as you know, sometimes our bonus tips are related or not related to the episode. But today the tip is to build out templates for your meeting agendas. So um, over time, you'll see a cadence kind of in the stuff that you're talking about in these meetings with clients or with your team when you're doing an event. And so um, there definitely are some really solid places that you can start in event planning that are pretty universal. And then beyond that, as you do, you know, these events again and again, you'll see the cadence of things that repeat. And so if you can build templates, template agendas for some of these key meetings, then it's something that will help you in the future, first of all, but also hopefully help hand off things to your team member. Shout out to Caitlin if you are listening to this, which I'm sure you are, because we have been slacking about that this week. And so that is my bonus tip for today. We love a time-saving bonus tip. Thank you, Mary. 
And that brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn at Better Events Pod. Send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. Visit our website, bettereventspod.com. And as always, you can connect with Mary and I directly on LinkedIn. We love hearing from you. Thank you to those that have already done so. And we appreciate you for listening. And we'll be back in your feeds again next Wednesday. 